You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation brought to you by Lacrosse Boot. If you're looking for a durable rubber boot that hunts as hard as you do, you need to stop by lacrossefootwear.com and check out the Alpha Burley Pro. Lacrosse Boots, done right since 1897. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Friday, everybody. All systems are go. I got the green light from the wife. I get to go hunting Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then I got to be back Sunday night at the house and be a father again, but I got the entire weekend during this pre-rut, this magical pre-rut time that I really love, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again, you put the binos up, you're scanning, you sit down a little bit, put the binos up, next thing you know, you got a day walker right it's the afternoon hunt or a morning hunt or whatever and it's the first big mature buck you've seen all year long uh maybe it's the first time you've ever seen this buck maybe he showed up out of nowhere but this is the time for that i sound like a preacher a southern preacher can i get a amen anyway <laughs> anyway today's podcast is basically a big buck profile man we're gonna talk with a guy who killed a slammer a slammer big nine pointer i think it is i don't even know i'm not looking at the picture right now but an awesome podcast where we talked to garrett Byrne. uh he's a fellow iowan and uh he connected on a piece of property this year that was holding some big deer and he got access to it and i don't know man I just hope I see a deer like what he shot this year. And that's what today's podcast is about. Now, before we get into today's podcast, Hunter Safety System is a partner of this podcast. And you guys need to go check out their website. Why? Because their product may just save your life. And I say this at the end of every podcast, even before I've been working with this company, because of one reason, and that's the importance of having a safety harness when you're in a tree stand. Shit, I know some guys who should probably be wearing a safety harness when they're in a ground blind, but specifically in a tree stand, we need we need to be wearing them. It doesn't matter how tough you think you are. You fall 10 feet even less 
there's a chance you never walk again. There's a chance you don't go home to your children and your wife has to raise your children by herself, right? And that to me is not an option. And that is why I wear a safety harness every single time. So if you want to go check out a high quality safety harness, you need to go check out huntersafetysystem.com. And uh, man, they have they have a ton to choose from. If you like a vest, they have a vest. If you like just a simple plain harness, they have a harness. They have something for setting up tree stands in the summertime. They have it all. So uh, go check out Hunter Safety Systems today. And uh, let's get into today's Big Buck Profile podcast with Garrett Byrne. All right, on the podcast with me right now, Mr. Garrett Byrne. What's up, man? Hey, Dan, how's it going? I, I think that when I flip through social media and I see, like, dream bucks, like when I envision a big buck and I, and I, I don't know, I, I envision what you shot. And so when I was flipping through social media and then you ended up sending me a message and I see, saw this buck, I was like, dude, I want to get the story. And long, you know, long story short, we actually met at the Iowa deer classic this last year. You came up, introduced yourself and we talked for a while. So it's good to talk with you again, man. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Now, do you still have a smile on your face? I do. I do. I haven't hardly slept. I've just, I've been on a high. <laughs> That's a giant. And uh, not only does it look like giant in the antler department, but it looks like it's a, a mature buck as well. And I want to get into the entire story of this buck from the moment that you, from the moment that you, you know, spotted him or found out about him till, you know, the moment that you dropped him off of the taxidermist or you, that you, you know, pulled the bow back and you shot him. So, before we get started, why don't you tell everybody where are you from and what do you do for a living? Yeah, yeah, I'm from uh, Eastern Iowa, and I'm a project manager at a damage restoration company called Rainbow International. So, like, we dry out flooded basements and clean up fire damaged homes. Okay, I did that. Uh, my, one of my buddies, his dad had a business like this, and uh, I got laid off from a job several years ago. I needed some money, and I did a flooded basement. Like the, they went on, yeah. they went on vacation, uh, in the summertime, their electricity went out and one of their pipes burst all at the same time. So yep. that, that moisture just cooked in their house, in their basement and, and long story short, got oh, yeah. mold. So we had to go into their basement and just tear everything out, clean it up and, uh, not a fun job. I will tell you that. No, no. Our guys work hard. Well, you know all about it then. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how long have you been doing that? Uh, I, so I, I did it growing up. Uh, my father and mother actually owned the business oh, okay. and, uh, I moved away after college for a few years. My wife and I lived in Omaha and then we moved back here three years ago. So I've been, uh, been working for them for three years now. Gotcha. Any kids? One kid, uh, Everly, uh, my wife and I's first kid was born in March and, uh, we'd moved home kind of planning to have kids and be near, uh, grandparents. Gotcha. So you got one little one. Right, and this this yep. is going to be your first. Well, no, you're tagged out. I'm tagged out until gun season. <laughs> so it's not like that's not even an until issue. Gun. Like having no, no, no. no she's she's so happy. She's so happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nuts, man! I wish I. You know, there's a part of me, especially with three kids, that I wish I could go out one of the first couple weeks of October. 
you know, one of the opening weekends, nail it, nail a deer, and then come home and not have to listen to, you know, all the, hey, <laughs> you know, you're going to be gone for two weeks, all that, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But my love, here's what I would do. I'd really screw it up, right? I'd tag out early and then I'd get on the computer and like, okay, what states near me are over the counter? And then I would try to find another place to hunt. <laughs> I have I have spots in Nebraska I've already been thinking about, but I don't think I should bring that up. Yeah. I think I just need to be happy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you should be. So, before you started recording, you know we're gonna cut. We're gonna go straight to it, right? We're gonna go to July, right? And July yeah. is what happened in July. Yeah, July uh, pulled a trail camera. Um, I set up more trail cameras than I ever had this year. And uh, pulled one card, was flipping through pictures, and uh, it was set over a bean field, and I really didn't have any pictures on it, so I was doing that fast flip. And I hit a picture that had two bucks that were running at the camera, and uh, behind them was the third buck. And uh, although it was, it was hard to tell, cheap cameras, far away picture, um, it, it was obviously just an absolute giant. Uh, you, could, you could make out the frame. You could tell he had some sort of extra point below the brow tine um, and immediately sent that to all my buddies. Yeah. So was this a piece of public property, uh, family property, knock-on-door permission? Yep, this was a knock-on-door permission property. Cool. So describe this property for us a little bit so that everybody knows, you know, you know, where this buck was living, the terrain that, you know, maybe a little bit about where you think he was bedding and the travel routes he was taking, what the crops were, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, um, there's, there's a lot of timber, a lot of crops, uh, like most of Iowa. It's, uh, it's mainly oaks and then a lot of that, uh, multiflora, uh, thorns. Yeah. Uh, it's really thick of that in the, in the area I hunt around here. Um, where I initially got this picture was, was more of what I felt like was a, was a summer pattern for him. Um, he was pretty far away from timber and, uh, obviously feeding out in the beans. So, um, uh, that's where I initially saw him. Okay. So when you, when you got this picture, you know, obviously you shared it with your buddies and, and, you know, I don't know about you, but trail camera pictures in the summer are great but then for me personally i've noticed that you know over the years some of these big giant bucks they don't stick around right you get the trail camera picture of them that's easy but then actually trying to locate them and kill them is a completely different story so what like what was running through your head after you got this trail camera picture uh, and about maybe like how you were gonna try to harvest this buck or was it kind of just a pipe dream at that point yeah, it, it felt like a pipe dream. You know, I showed a lot of my, my buddies and, and some of my buddies from Omaha I used to hunt with, as well as the guy I hunt with locally here too, my friend Nick. And, and we discussed it, and it felt like a pipe dream. I felt like I needed to expand the area. I had permission. I had uh, I had permission quite a ways from this area, as well as right in that area. Um, and, and I felt like, you know, maybe it's possible he would move to one of those other areas. I did have permission. Um, I felt like there's no way he would stay in this area between his summer and fall range. I had never seen this deer, uh, before and putting about 30 miles of boots on the ground, shed hunting, um, including with 
my hunting partner, Nick, uh, we did not pick up his antlers. Right. Um, never kicked him up before he shed nothing like that. So I felt like this was probably his summer range and I was going to have to expand, uh, where I had permission to ever find him. So it felt like a pipe dream, but I, I pretty much was willing to eat tag soup chasing the dream. Okay. So how many years did you have permission on that property? Was this like recent or have you been hunting there for several years? Yeah. So I, I have a, a, a few permissions in this area. And, uh, so all kind of been for different, uh, different amounts of time that I've had them. Some, uh, you know, quite a few years, some for a year, um, some this year that I gained as well. Uh, so it, it just kind of varied on the property. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you got a whole bunch of properties in this area. Now, when you said expand, you know, you needed to expand, you're talking about neighboring farms to try to locate this particular buck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm referring to neighboring farms. Uh, from where he was, where I originally got that picture, I just scoured maps that I already, of course, had looked at for many hours. I, I just stared at maps most nights during the summer, just dreaming, but uh, trying to figure out what would be the most logical move for him, uh, looking up different QDMA articles on how far deer move uh, from their summer to fall ranges. And of course it varies. So right. uh, it just, uh, I, I didn't feel confident, but it was just one of those things I felt like I had to do just to try. So. Yeah. So was that endeavor successful? Did you gain any more access? After that picture? No, I did not. Okay. No, there was a few uh, very large uh, farms that I tried to gain access to that I felt like would, would really open up a lot of opportunities to see him in the fall. And, uh, those did not, uh, those did not go through. All right. Just, just out of curiosity, when you went, you knock on these doors or you call them up, uh, and they say no to you, what were they telling you? No. I mean, what was their excuse? Um, it's, it's other hunters. Usually yeah. it's just, you know, Hey, we already have other hunters. I would never, never usually knock on a door in July. Um, or later than that, I knock on doors in before shed season yeah i usually ask for shed hunting permission and turkey hunting permission um because in my experience even if they don't grant those they're usually super nice people and they're just willing to talk to you about the area uh talk to you about other people that allow hunters and and talk about their deer hunting some of them are deer hunters so it kind of opens it up to the conversation when you have that conversation in the spring uh, they don't feel like they have to be defensive about their deer. And in my experience, you just meet some cool people that way. Yeah, absolutely. And the good thing about it is just because they say no that year, I mean, you've, you've broke the ice, you've talked to them. Hell, maybe in two or three years, they'll say yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knock on doors, uh, some doors year after year, um, everywhere I have permission. I'm, I'm there a few times in the spring and summer just to say hi, just to keep my, my, my face out there and, and just make sure they know who I am and uh, just see if they need help with anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So as after you got this, the, this picture of this buck, uh, you realized it's something you wanted to chase and, and tr chase somewhat aggressively. Talk to me about the rest of the summer and maybe a little bit about other trail camera pictures that you got. Um, did you bring more trail camera pictures into that area? Um, what did you do for preparation for the, this upcoming season? Yeah, I, I really 
I was kind of between strategies on just absolute, uh, don't touch the area at all. Just try to stay out of it just to try to never spook this deer. Uh, but I also felt like I had to get a picture of his fall range just to narrow down where he might bed. Uh, from my shed hunting, I had found bedding areas that I felt would hold bucks, um, just between finding buck beds. But, uh, but I didn't know which, which bedding area that, that he would probably use. So we, we spread cameras out, uh, the guy hunt with Nick and I, we, we spread cameras out pretty far. We had uh, we put our cameras together. We had seven cameras that, that we spread out far and wide on, uh, on these properties. Okay. And on this particular property though, how big, how many acres was this particular property? Yeah. Between the few I have in the area, we're, we're in the hundreds. Okay. In the hundreds of acres, but where, where yeah. this buck was living, right? Cause you, you knocked on all the doors surrounding this property. They yeah. said, they said no. So how many acres was this property? Uh, I, you know what, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. So it's, it's mixed between, uh, tillable and, uh, timber. And I couldn't even tell you how much was in each. Okay. So, I mean, small, like 50 or a hundred, basically what I I'm... think large, I think, yeah, because, uh, there's adjoining properties and there's some that are spread out further. And I think we're in the hundreds. Okay. So basically what I'm getting at is, you know, once you realize how many acres you have to hunt, you know, if you have a thousand acres and this buck is in a certain uh, point, you know, a part of a farm, you can you can go in different ways. You can attack him from all sides based yeah. off different wind directions. But if it's a smaller property, you may have to bide your time. You may have to wait for the right conditions, the right winds. Access is limited. So what I'm trying to get at is, you know, with the property that he was that you felt he was living on do you, did you feel that you were going to be able to to be aggressive with with your the upcoming season and in the the strategy to hunt him or did you feel it was going to be one of those things where it was like okay I need to chill out and I need to bide my time yeah uh I would say somewhere but between that I had uh I had stands that I had set up near bedding areas that I thought could would be uh, a, a big bucks fall range, um, yeah. in hopes that that would be his fall range. And I had other stands set up that were, um, honestly more, more for, for doe hunting. I had, uh, an antlerless antlerless tag as well. So I had some stands that I felt I would never kill this buck out of no matter what. And I had two stands set up that I felt, uh, would be, if I was going to kill him out of a, a pre-hung set, that's what it would be. Uh, and then I had my portable that, that I would hang and hunt in areas that I, I didn't even have cameras in. Uh, they were just hard to get to spots. And I figured those would be good rut hunting spots when, uh, when my other two that I felt would be good didn't pan out. Gotcha. So, so you went in and during the shed season is when you located these all before you even knew this buck existed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Before I knew he existed, I was, I was waiting for this year and trying to, trying to find the best areas okay uh i didn't hang stands i didn't get stands up until august gotcha. but uh, i was in there in august hanging stands gotcha all right so did your strategy change at all from like from the spring to august when you actually you know got pictures of him um i think i was you know i didn't check trail cameras there was one camera that i could check about every two weeks it was very close to a road um 
but my other cameras, um, some of them soaked as long as nine weeks. Right. Um, I just, I didn't want to touch them. I had one that was near a stand, which I normally don't like to do. I feel like putting anything close to a stand and even having to walk the direction of a trail camera from your stand just disperses more scent, but I did it and I ended up, uh, uh, the particular stand I ended up killing out of, I had hung in August. I was already late home. I was supposed to be home at noon and it was like two because of course it took me much longer to get everything set up than I thought it would. Right. And I actually had hung this set, um, in an area that I, when I turkey hunted, I was scouting. Um, I got it hung and then I realized when I got in, it just wasn't going to work. I convinced myself just to leave it where it was. Uh, and that I would move it in the fall if I needed to, but I realized it was in the wrong spot. I ended up pulling the whole thing and, uh, moving it that day, uh, into the, the, the tree that ended up being the right tree. So, gotcha. all right. So you got pictures of them in July, any more pictures, um, from July to October, you know, in that uh that late summer yep. through september any more trail camera pictures of him uh did he shift you know all all that stuff yeah the the closer it got to fall the further away he started moving um i got pictures of him far and wide on almost every single camera uh when he was in velvet um you know i was excited but i still felt like just because i had pictures of him in velvet doesn't mean i'll find him in the uh when he's when he's hard horned Right. Um, so there was, there was one particular instance where in three hours, all during daylight, he had moved a mile, uh, between like, I think it was six and nine in the morning. He, he walked a mile as a crow flies, um, all during daylight when he was in velvet. Okay. Okay. So, so he, he moved around a lot or that was that just like one particular instance? Yeah, he moved around a lot. He started, it seemed like as the summer got later, um, I really didn't know what to think of him or, or, or even decide where he was been that summer because he started He started just making trips, and, and my camera's far and wide. Everything just seemed to catch him. Gotcha. Um, I did not get a hard horn picture until I went into, um, I guess that would have been my second hunt of the year. Um, I went and hunted the stand that I eventually killed him out of, which – was way too early and I, I never should have hunted that stand, but I, I really wanted to check that camera. I was excited. I checked it and sure enough, there he was. And it was, uh, three hours after dark, he was hard horn and he was walking by that, uh, by that stand, I get at least by that camera. Okay. So you got pictures of him throughout the entire summer, right? All through September, yeah, many pictures. Yep. And, um, so he had a big range and it sounds to me like it was difficult for you to locate maybe like a core area um, from a, a plan of attack. So when October 1st hit, you knew it was hunting season. You knew this deer was somewhat in the area. How did you know that some of these um, places would be good for that particular buck? Or was it just the scenario of, hey, he's in the area. These are good bedding areas. That's where I'm going to start. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that second part's my strategy. I was just going to, I was really kind of on doe hunts. My first few hunts. Um, I did have that one hunt out of the stand that, that I felt was, was closer to bedding areas. Um, 
uh, based off my trail camera, I ended up, there was a few of, of, of the larger deer I had on camera were, were using that area. So my scouting paid off. Okay. So, so then with, you know, with this, uh, with the season starting, how, how did you decide what tree stand to sit? I mean, it, cause was this an accident? Let me just, I'll be blunt and I'll say, was this an accident? Were you hunting does and he came through? This was an accident. Yeah. Th- this morning, uh, I, I actually, th- the morning of the hunt, um, it was, I think that was the 21st. It was this, this past Sunday here. Um, it was cold. It dropped in temperatures. I think it was like 26 or 27 when I woke up. Right. Um, the day before my buddy Nick had killed a buck. So I didn't get out that evening before, uh, we were, we were at home butchering his deer. Um, I originally had set up to go to the pumpkin patch with my wife on Sunday and our daughter, of course, so we could get cute pictures of her. <laughs> and, uh, and it was going to be cold and I, and I didn't have permission to hunt that morning. And so I had to ask, you know, I said, Hey, I, I didn't get a hunt, uh, tonight. Is there any way I can go in the morning? I will definitely make it to the pumpkin patch. Um, but then I had to be honest and tell her, you know, if I, if I shoot a deer, there's, there's absolutely no possible way I'll make it to this pumpkin patch. And, and she thought that was okay. So I went out the stand, it was just such a cold snap and it was still earlier than I wanted to hunt my main stand, but on my stand, it's a stand that I, I, I killed out of last year. Um, it's literally the same tree. It's just, it's, yeah, on a northwest wind, it's downwind off of a doe bedding area. It just worked out perfectly. I had a few big deer walk by that stand last year when I was in it. Um, the the wind that morning was a almost still, but it was a northwest wind. But about an hour into daylight, it was going to switch from the south. Um, I really wanted to hunt that stand, but I just didn't want to hunt it on the wrong wind. Um, that morning I, I decided I was going to do a hanging hunt. Um, so, so I kind of planned on where I was going to, where I was going to hang and hunt, where I felt like I could kill a doe. I ended up getting out late due to just, uh, just a really weird morning. I ended up getting out late and decided, well, I can walk over to this, this stand over here. Um, I, I, I think I can, you know, I think it'll be a good hunt over here. Did not expect to see him. I honestly have had the slowest start to the year ever. This was my fifth hunt out and until the day before I hadn't seen a deer. So I went three hunts in a row without seeing a deer. Uh, on my fourth hunt, I saw one buck that, um, any other year I would have shot. It's the largest deer I ever passed. Um, and then, uh, that morning when I was hunting, I actually had a, an eight pointer come by that I believe I had on trail camera. He was a really nice deer. It was, it was just fun watching him. But uh, at that point I still just really was just kind of out there to enjoy the woods and enjoy my time out there. <laughs> cool. So you did a run and gun to the same tree that you shot last year's deer out of, or was that stand? I was, no, I was, I was, I was between three things. So I was out of the, the tree I had, I had shot a deer out of last year. Uh, it was the wrong wind. So I kind of felt I could set up in that uh, area, kind of on the other side of that that spot due to the wind change. Okay. And I was going to do a run and gun. But because I, I arrived late, um, I realized I didn't have time to, to do a hang, you know, just to hang a stand that morning before right. daylight. 
and that uh, I was going to go to the stand I had hunted once before this year. Gotcha. Okay. And that was the stand that you killed your deer out of last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what I want you to do now is to tell me about that specific stand. All right. You mentioned that it, you know, it was downwind of a bedding area, but what makes that area so good? And why do you think that deer was visiting, you know, came to that area? You know, what food source was he coming from? What was he doing? Why, what was the terrain in that specific area? Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I haven't figured out is where he was feeding, where he ended up coming from that morning. Um, it was, I think he came through about 40 minutes after legal shooting time. And I, I really, I really don't think he was feeding on crops. If he would have been in the crop fields that, uh, from the direction he came from, he would have been seen, uh, just, I, I feel by just people, uh, he just kind of was in a, in an area that I think he would have been seen. Um, where I was though, there's a lot of Oaks, um, middle of October. Uh, best thing I can think of was he was out there feeding on acorns in the morning, uh, and, and just that cold snap kept him up late enough that he, he, he wasn't in his bed yet. Right. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Now, so when he was coming, uh, I mean, was he below you coming up? Was he, were you below him and he was coming down? Um, why don't you talk? Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I was, uh, there's a, I was kind of between two ridges there. Um, but I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the bottom uh, of this ridge. Um, I'm in a hickory tree and it's, it's when I hung this stand, it was, I just loved the trees. There's so much cover, right. um, in it. Uh, I felt like the deer would use it because it was, it was kind of where the younger trees were. Um, and so it was much thicker right where I was, um, as compared to up the ridge was older, more, more mature trees. Uh, where it was, where it was, uh, just less thick. And then below me, if you, if you kept going down, it was more open, uh, with, with more grasses. And I just, uh, I, I just felt like being in that, they would use the bottom of that ridge just because they were just more hidden. It was just thicker. Right. Okay. So now why don't you walk us through from, you know, from the moment that you, you know, you got into the stand late, right? You got set up. And you said it was 40 minutes after shooting light, uh, that he came through. Why don't you talk to us about what he did, what you did the whole, the whole final, you know, his final last 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I was, it was, it was just one of those mornings you just really enjoyed, Dan. It was the first like cool morning I'd hunted. Uh, it was the first morning I hunted of the year. Um, uh, I guess second morning I hunted that year, but it was just, it was cooler, it was nice. I actually had to wear gloves. It was just one of those things. I felt like it was finally deer season. Right. Um, uh, I, it was just one of those mornings. I didn't feel distracted. I didn't feel like I need to look at my phone. Uh, I was just really enjoying the moment. Um, I, I looked down the, down the, the trail that I felt the deer would come out of. Um, and right away I saw antlers and, and right away I knew, I mean, I knew it was a big deer. Um, I didn't know it was him. Uh, I had a lot of pictures of this deer, but at this point it was pretty thick, but I could see he was just on a, on a line coming right at me. Um, the trail he was going to come on in the direction he came from, he was going to walk right by one of my trail cameras. And, uh, it was kind of one of those in the moment it was, Hey, this is, this is cool. Either way, I'm gonna get this deer on camera. Um, and then 
as he kept coming in, uh, if he would have taken the trail that he was on, um, he, he would have been basically quartering towards so hard in the first 20 yard shooting lane that I have that there would have been no shot. Um, he would have had to continue on that trail, uh, walk through my boot tracks that I walked in on, um, which I was already concerned about. He would have had to pass my tree at about 10 yards. And then he would have came out on that trail 15 yards where I actually have a good shooting lane. So the direction he was coming from had me nervous, uh, right away. Um, as the deer's still coming in, I'm, I'm looking at his antlers and I didn't know it was him. Um, I had my heart set on this deer this year, but I also uh, just, just through discussions with, with my, with my friends and stuff, told myself that I really shouldn't set my, my heart on one deer. If I see another deer that gets me excited, um, I should shoot it and just, and just, you know, and and be happy. (laughs) And, And I saw this deer and I started convincing myself, it doesn't matter if it's not, uh, the buck, we ended up naming him Copenhagen. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's not Copenhagen, you need to shoot this deer. This is a really good deer. Um, as he was coming in on the trail, all of a sudden he changed direction. And instead of walking where he would have been 15 yards from me, he started headed directly towards me. Um, at this point I knew, and that was at about 35 yards and he's heading on a string right, uh, nose to the tree, right, right, right to my tree. Yeah. Uh, I started getting, it, it was excitement knowing that, okay, as soon as he turns at any point I can shoot, but also, oh crap, this deer's way too close. Um, so he walked to 10 yards and then put his nose to the ground. Um, facing so he's facing directly at me uh absolutely no shot no shot okay i i mean i had yeah that was wide open it's the most open area i have out of my tree stand but just head on with his with his head down so nothing i can do at this point i haven't even drawn yet uh just kind of bearing down on him um i can vividly remember dan looking down at this deer cause I can see his front shoulders and that's what I'm looking at and just realizing this is the most wide body deer I have ever seen in my life. Holy crap. Look at this deer's shoulders. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was just, it just blew my mind. I'd never seen a deer with a body like this. And it just, it, it just shocked me. It was just, Oh my gosh, look at his body. Right. Um, at this point it, I wasn't shaky. I, I uh, I was giving myself a, one of those internal pep talks. You, you try to give yourself to make a good shot and uh, telling myself, you know, you can do this. You, you practice, you can, you can do this. You can make the shot, make the shot, make the shot. Um, he picked his head up. So he's still at 10 yards. Uh, he didn't look up the tree. He was just looking straight ahead. Uh, then he put his head back down. Um, at this point I knew if he starts to turn, it's still a hard quartering towards shot. I had just watched an episode of the, the hunting public um, here just, I think it was last week uh, where Jake, one of the guys, he, uh, he shot a deer that was just barely quartering towards him. And my goodness, that looked like a perfect shot. And, and the deer ended up living a lot longer than they thought he would. And I just heard so many horror stories with quartering towards shots, uh, you know, hitting one long or, or obviously just being a little too far back and just being a gut shot. Uh, I, I was scared. I, I did not want to take a quarter ring towards shot, but when he put his head down the second time, I, I knew that 
if I didn't draw, you know, this is my best chance of drawing. He, he, he can't see me or he's looking now. So I drew back. Um, I was just holding on him. I was, I was holding kind of right behind where I thought his shoulder would be once he turned. And I kept trying to keep myself from pulling the trigger. Uh, uh, I did not want Tari Payne to set in and pull at that time. Um, all of a sudden, he just he started to turn and go the way I needed him to. Um, as he was turning, um, eventually I found a point where he was. I I believed he was still quartering towards me, uh, pretty hard. Um, I tucked it behind his shoulder, and as soon as I had it behind that shoulder, I uh, I did not squeeze the trigger. I punched the trigger. I was excited. Uh, I saw the arrow go through where I wanted it to go through. But, uh, but I did think it was too far back. Um, I shot and he did not react. Uh, even though I watched the arrow go through him, he walked or he kind of, uh, no jump, kind of jogged, no, ten, no mule kick, no, like nothing. No, he walked 10 yards, but he didn't walk 10 yards away. He just walked 10 yards at an angle. And so he was still 10 yards from me. And he's out in the wide open and he's broad, perfectly broadside now. And he's just staring at me. And I've never had a deer do this, just not run off. I literally look and there's just a hole in the side of him. And I'm like, that looks like about where it should be just a little far back. Um, and all of a sudden I was concerned that I'm like, did I just gut shot this deer? Did I, was I that far back? I had already been loading another arrow. I got another arrow in and, uh, he's just staring at me and I come to full draw. And as I'm drawing, he starts running. Yeah. Well, he's about to get behind a bunch of trees. Um, I had felt that if I had made a, a lethal shot, which was a gut shot, but an imperfect shot, I don't care where I hit him. I'm putting another arrow in him. Uh, uh, I tried to follow him and pull the trigger. And of course I missed. Um, <laughs> So I missed him on that second shot. He ran about 50 yards, um, and I'm already loading another arrow. At this point, he's behind way too much brush uh, where I definitely couldn't get a shot. Um, but I'd already come to full draw. I have a single pin sight, and I did not range where he was at this third time. And so I'm at full draw, and I'm thinking, I should let off and range this deer if I'm going to shoot again. But I thought, you know, as soon as I let off, he's going to run. Um, he wasn't looking my way, but he had just run up a hill and, um, was broadside, but he was behind a bunch of small trees and, uh, he started hunching yeah. and I really, I, I'm like, I gut shot this deer. I have to put another arrow in him. And I thought, I, I don't care if I'm, if I lose this arrow or, I mean, obviously no one would care if they lost an arrow in this case, but it was just. I can't do this to this deer. I have to send another arrow that way. Was he making any and noise? So I, no, no, he no, wasn't. None. He wasn't going like <clears throat> or anything like none. that. No, okay, none. And I actually had enough time to watch him, where he was standing there hunched, and I thought, is it going to be wobbly? And he didn't wobble one bit. Yeah. And so I, everything to me, Dan pointed to. I just gut shot this deer. Yeah. Um. I, uh, I target panic again. I pulled the trigger. <laughs> um, I had like a, what looked to be just a few inch gap. I shot, I heard a thud and that's when he took off running. I thought, Oh geez, I just hit this deer again. Um, <laughs> um, I, 
immediately I, I took a video actually on my Facebook and just right after I just pulled out my phone and videoed myself. And I pretty much just had the most blank stare you can possibly have in the world. Yeah. Um, I had no clue what to think. I had just shot three arrows at a deer. I had never done that in my entire life. And I didn't know what to think. I, I realized this was the biggest buck I'd ever shot at. I may have just messed it up. I realized it was a deer I was after. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know what to think. I, I turned off that video and I called my, my hunting buddy, Nick. Um, I called him about seven times and he never answered. <laughs> and so... <laughs> I just, I had to, I had to talk, I had to talk to somebody. I was so, I was so shaky. And and next person on my list, I called my dad. Um, my dad was at a, at a wedding in St. Louis that weekend, but he was driving back him and my mom and I called him and I'm all shaky voice. And I just, I just do the dad, dad. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're five years old. again. Like I'm five and there's a monster in the room. Yeah. And he goes, yes, son. I said, I just shot that big one I told you about, the pictures that I shot him. <laughs> he goes, well, see, okay, son, calm down. <laughs> I, said, I said, I need your help, Dad. I think I shot him bad. He goes, it's okay, son. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> and uh, I had made a very similar uh, string of texts if you can put that emotion in the text of last year when I shot a deer, I'd probably send him about 73 texts in a row <laughs> before he ever texts me back once. Deer, got him big. Deer, got him. Help. Help. I'm in the woods. I'm far away. Help. Come out here. Where are you at? Uh, kind of one of those. But uh, I waited about 30 minutes. I climbed down, and I decided I was going to look for those three arrows. The direction he ran, I felt I could, I could really back out and move away from any of the creeks that I thought he may have went to. Well, the first arrow I pulled was full. I'm, I'm colorblind, Dan. So on a blood trail, I'm worthless. Uh, uh, so (laughs) it appeared to me to be dark red blood and I did not see any bubbles. Okay. So I was excited. I thought I'd hit the liver. Yeah. Uh, the second arrow I went and found and, uh, it was in the dirt. It was a clean miss. Uh, went up, the ridge and I'd found the third arrow and I, and, uh, all there was, was a little bit of belly hair on it and like one streak of blood. Um, I'm like, okay. So pretty much my first arrow is the only thing arrow that mattered. Um, at that point I just, I, I backed out. So, um, backed out of the woods and, uh, got a hold of my dad and, and, and my, my hunt buddy, Nick, uh, telling him I was going to need help later. All right. So, how long did you wait before you guys, you know, till you assembled the cavalry and went in looking for him? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I went to the pumpkin patch. I made it to the pumpkin patch. Uh, anything to get my mind off that deer and to give me time, I was going to wait six hours to start trailing him. Um, I thought if it was a liver shot, six hours will do. If it's a gut shot, I just want to find this first bed maybe. And then back out of there. Um, so, uh, (laughs) Nick, Nick, uh, Nick's texted me back and said, you know, you need to go to that pumpkin patch. Try to act like you care about the pumpkin patch while you're there. (laughs) (laughs) He's married. So he understands. And he's like, just, just try to have fun at the pumpkin patch. Right. right. (laughs) So, 
so we did the whole pumpkin patch ordeal and then i met up with my uh my dad and nick and uh we went in back in the woods about one o'clock okay so you go back to where you shot him or to probably where you last you fired that last arrow at and yep yep you know was there any blood on the ground from the uh, you know from that third arrow or well where you shot him at that third arrow but from the first time that you hit him yeah yeah from the first time i hit him there there was blood and then where he had walked or, or kind of jogged that 10 yards and stopped broadside it had poured out a little bit there um after that it was uh it was really sparse so up at that third arrow there was a little bit um nick and my dad since they're not colorblind they said we'll take the trail and i said i'm just going to circle about uh 75 yards ahead of you guys where the direction he went and i'm just going to glass and i just want to because if he gets up i want to be able to stop us before we continue searching right that was my that was my only concern right um uh, so, so I was ahead and, and, and I get to where I'm like, okay, I have a, I, I can look out and see pretty far here. I'm standing there about 10 seconds and, uh, 75 yards away, a big old buck jumps up and, and takes off. Um, and it was right the direction that that buck I had shot at last went. So, um, you can imagine how that felt, Dan. Yeah. I mean, I was, you thought it was him. I, I uh, yeah, and I knew it was him. Uh, that's him. It's a big buck. It's right where I saw, saw him. Uh, this is this ain't good. I, I just you know I I just wounded an animal in the worst way, and uh, we just jumped him. This is this is literally the worst thing. So I I mean I took off running up the ridge, and I just started going, just stop, guys, just stop, stop. I saw him. He just jumped up. We, I said he's far enough away. Let's just find his last bed where he, where he, he laid in, we're just going to find his last bed and we're going to back out of here and I'm going to come back tonight. Um, and I was going to walk the creeks. I was convinced at that point I had just got shot him and the, the blood on the ground was just somehow that was, uh, you know, I had gotten that blood out of him, but, uh, my dad goes, that's okay. It's okay, son. And, uh, so I was just, I was just mad at my dad. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was, I was furious. He's like, it's okay. Shut that's up. Good. Dad. It's you okay. don't know nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't know anything, dad. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I was just down. I, I felt I was going to lose this deer. Um, so I started searching this thick brush that he had come out of and I'm just zigzagging. Uh, and my dad and, and Nick pretty much just didn't pay any attention to what I did. And they just kept following the blood trail. Well, it got really, uh, you know, they, they pretty much found last blood and probably for 20 minutes just kept searching. And I'm like, well, yeah, the direction I'm at, guys, just come help me where I'm at, where I saw him get up. I need help finding his last, his last bed. Well, I'm walking this area, and I find a, what's clearly a buck bed. And I knew it was close to where this deer jumped up, and there was absolutely no blood in it. And at that point, I thought, this is either another bed or that wasn't my deer, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which was – I still thought that that was my deer and I was looking at the wrong bed, but at least it gave me a little hope. Right. Uh, so I just started walking the Creek that he had crossed looking for, for blood. Um, 
not that I can see it very well, but I thought, well, maybe I'll be able to find a big track. Maybe I'll find something. And then I can really get on my hands and knees and look for blood. So I'm walking this Creek for, this was about the 20 minutes. Um, I gave up. I started walking back towards my dad. Uh, as I'm walking towards my dad, I, I, I get like 70 yards from him. And, uh, all of a sudden I, I literally am looking at him and I see his eyes go from just normal to his eyes just went wide open and his arms just went straight up. Uh, <laughs> and, and he just starts screaming, you know, son, son, Garrett, Garrett, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I'm just like a little kid sprinting up the hill after him. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, there he was, I mean, he was like, we were standing like 20 yards from him for oh, like wow. five minutes. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't know how we didn't see him, but, or, or Nick and my dad were, they, we just didn't see him. I, and, uh, I mean, it was, it was just, it was just one of those moments. I'll never forget. It was just, uh, just seeing how big he was. It just, it just blew my mind. Just absolutely blew my mind. Uh, having my dad there was, was just so cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're hugging and doing that whole thing. And, uh, and then, you know, here comes Nick up and he's just, he's just got a big smile on his face, uh, just taking it all in. I mean, it was, uh, so, you know, of course I'm, I'm wondering why, how this deer died so soon. This is only about a hundred yards from where I shot him, right. like on the trail he took, like he, he went hundred yards from where I first shot him. Um, I double lung and hard shot him. Really? <laughs> And you, I, and you thought Dan, you hit him I, way back. Not way back. I thought I hit him about where the liver was, and I thought he was quartering towards me. So I, I was just convinced that it just went back through the guts. Um, I, I, Dan, I, I swear he was quartering towards me when I shot, but that arrow went through, you know, he was close to me. It was high, but at the angle he was, that's where it should have went through. So it came in high about midway through his body, went through both lungs, touched the heart, and then came out low by his front left leg. Um, my third arrow gut shot him. Okay. <laughs> so uh, my third shot was, was stupid. If I wouldn't have done that, he probably just died where he was standing. But, uh, what it, you know, that's just looking back. But I, that's crazy. I made a perfect shot, and I had no clue I did. That's crazy because you just described what happened to my buck last year. Like, I I hit liver, complete complete pass through broadside, hit liver, no lung. I may have nicked lung, but I hit liver for sure. And he hunched up and he 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 didn't kick or nothing. He just kind of walked in this half circle and was just. You could tell he was in pain, and then he started fading because he was bleeding so much. And that, like the way you told the story, I said, "Oh, you, you hit liver all day long. You hit liver." But yeah, then this yeah. dude reacted <laughs> I, like you didn't, like you didn't just drill him. I mean, you smoked him. It sounds like. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I it, it, it was just the weirdest thing in the world. Then it's, it's not how deer react to a to a long shot. I don't right. get it. Right. I, I do not understand it. I don't get it, but boy, am I happy. Oh yeah. So we got to wrap up here pretty soon, but you walk over to him and you put your hands on him for the first time. It's the biggest buck you've ever shot. What was going through your head at that point? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm no special hunter. Uh, I've been hunting 16 years. Uh, I, I hunt with my family a lot during gun season and I just love to bow hunt. It's just been the last few years that I've started passing deer waiting for bigger deer. And, uh, I've always just dreamed of having the opportunity to hunt a deer of this caliber. Um, it, it's just rare. I've never seen it. I've hunted 16 years and I've never seen a deer like this on trail camera where I hunt. I've never seen a deer like this driving down the road. And I've always, I've always wanted the opportunity, just the opportunity to hunt a deer of this size. Um, I had the opportunity and I just feel honestly, I just feel so blessed and just to be able to, to, to hunt this deer and then, and then to kill this deer is just like, just beyond me. Uh, I, I'm nothing special. I, 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 this is just, this could happen to anybody. I just feel lucky that I just hunted an area that, that had this deer in it. And I mean, I, I, it's just, what are the odds? It's just the third deer I saw this year ends up being the biggest buck of my life. And it just, I'm just, I, I feel so lucky. I'm just so, I'm so lucky, so blessed. Right. Right. And it's amazing. It's an amazing story. It's, you know, just, you know, a lot of times the story, you know, this story that you told today, a lot of time the, the climax is like right when you shoot him. But for me, I like hearing the back end of the story too, right? Like yeah. after the shot and how you were worried and how you're like, you didn't find much blood and, and all these things led up to you, you know, you, you doubting your shot and you doubting that you were going to recover him or whatnot. And then everything just flips and then it goes from feeling completely <laughs> like shit to feeling like you're the king of the world. And it's just, it's awesome. And uh, congratulations, man. That's a beautiful deer. So just, just so everybody at home knows who's listening to this, why don't you describe the rack? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a mainframe nine pointer. Um, he's, but he's got a, he's got a, a basically what I would call a kicker below his brow tine, but it's a nine inch kicker below his brow tine. It sits right below on his, his left brow tine right below that. He's got a big kicker on his left G2. He's got two different points that come off it. Only one of them's scorable, but it's just, it's just super cool. And then about halfway up his main beam on his left side, he's just, he's just all bladed up. Yeah. Um, on his right side, he's got another kicker off his brow tine. Um, I think he comes out at, um, I can't remember Dan. I'm so excited. 11 or 12 scoreable points. Uh, it's just the, just tall, just the tallest darn deer I've ever seen. He, he's only 17 and a half inches wide. So he's just kind of one of those tight deer where his rack comes in, but he's just taller. Every, every single, every single time of his is tall. There's not a short time. Yeah. And one thing you forgot to mention is like, are those 10 inch, 12 inch brow tines? Those are, uh, oh, see, it's funny because I, I had someone score him. I hadn't even put a tape on anything. I think it was, I think they're only nine or nine and a half inch brow tines. Okay. Uh, they're just, they're, they're just thick. They're thick, tall brow tines. They're just, it's just the coolest looking deer I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he's, uh, he's definitely gorgeous. And, you're right. He is a giant body deer. Um, any guess, did your taxidermist or anybody uh, get an age on him estimated? 
No, no. I have a, I have a cousin that, uh, that he sends his deer into a lab to get tested. Uh, so I, I've already reached out to him and he said, Hey, you got to send six deer at a time. I already have six. I was going to send up, go ahead and, uh, let, get me your teeth and we'll send them into the lab and, and get them, get them uh, checked. So I, you know, this is a deer of a lifetime for me. Uh, and so I'm, 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 I'm curious what the age is at. I, I have no clue. I mean, he, he's not young, No. but his head, see Dan, his head doesn't, his body is just ginormous, but his head to me doesn't look that big. Yeah. But I think it, it, it might be just cause he's got more mass on him. His head looks smaller. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe he is young. I, I, I don't know. I got a deer hanging on my wall who has, a very small head, but he is, he's like, I, I put, I guessed him at six years old, but he is, yeah. he's got a, he's got a short, his head is wide, but from snout to the top of his head is shorter. So it's almost like he has a shorter nose. Uh, and you know, I don't that's know. This too. Yeah. And that's what it, that's what yours looks like. I mean, he looks like a pit bull, just like real thick. Uh, yeah, <laughs> body and it, maybe it's just the picture I'm looking at, but his body doesn't real look real long, but it is mass. His front shoulders are huge. You know, I'm looking at that. Uh, I'm looking at that trail camera picture now, and he's got every, like he's got all the characteristics of a big buck. You know, he's got the sway yeah. back. He's got the big belly. His legs look short. Um, so he's definitely mature. I'd put him at five, five or six, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. That'd be so cool. I, I it's just, I just, I, I don't. I've never seen a buck that old. I, I, I really don't believe I have. It's just, I, I, I just feel so lucky. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, congratulations, man. And uh, if you get out again, whether it's with a gun or late season, good luck. And I appreciate you taking time to hop on the podcast today. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Congratulations, Garrett, on, on harvesting an absolute dream whitetail. That's a, a very beautiful buck. Huge shout-out to all the listeners of this podcast for taking time, as always, to download and listen to these, these podcasts. Man, I really appreciate it. Huge shout-out to all the partners of this podcast, Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonics and hunter safety systems guys please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast i would really appreciate that if you haven't already go to itunes leave a review let everybody know that i'm a huge dumbass or that you like this podcast um i got a lot of uh, awesome five-star reviews if you like it give it a five-star review if you don't well then don't comment <laughs> on it um but it, please go check out social media. Nine Finger Chronicles is on Instagram and Facebook. Please like and share. Um, share this with all your friends, right? Tell them if, if uh, they're an outdoor enthusiast, I think that the Sportsman's Nation as a whole has something to offer them, whether it's big game. We got a waterfowl podcast coming in the future. We got fishing content coming in the future. So it's going to be a one-stop shop for all of your outdoor needs. And lastly... Lastly, 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 it's that time of year, man. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. We're going to start grinding. We're going to, we're going to get tired. We're going to get up at these trees. We're going to go down these trees. And all I want to say is please wear a safety harness, right? Wear your damn safety harness. And I'll say it one more time, just as a, as a reminder to all of you, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us to please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend and good luck.